My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 27th of November. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. In different parts of the world, two leaders have recently won support on populist far-right platforms. In Argentina, Javier Millet has been elected president, promising to radically overhaul the nation's economy. Over in the Netherlands, Hurt Wilders is tipped to be the next Dutch leader after his party's surprise success in the nation's general elections. In today's deep dive, we're going to tell you what you need to know about these two new leaders, because I'm sure you've been seeing them around. Before we get there, though, Sam, what is making headlines? Over the weekend, a total of 41 hostages held by Hamas and 78 Palestinian prisoners held in Israeli prisons were released as part of an agreement that also includes a four-day pause in fighting. Since that pause started, the UN says it has also increased its delivery of humanitarian assistance into Gaza. The deal was brokered by the US and Qatar and is set to run for another two days. The World Health Organization has called for additional information from China about an increase of reported respiratory illnesses and pneumonia in children. China says a rise in flu-like illnesses have been caused by the lifting of COVID-19 restrictions. According to state-run Chinese media reports, children's hospitals have been overcrowded. Derek Chauvin, the police officer found guilty of murdering George Floyd back in 2020, has been stabbed in an Arizona prison. According to a statement from the Bureau of Prisons, Chauvin required life-saving treatment and has been transported to a local hospital where he is expected to survive this attack. And the good news, blue whales, the largest animals in the world, have returned to part of the Indian Ocean after mass commercial whaling operations significantly reduced numbers. Researchers reported spotting up to 10 blue whales across five different locations. All right, Sam, so today we are talking about not one, but two new world leaders, both of whom have come somewhat as a surprise to the rest of the world. One is from Argentina and the other is from the Netherlands. So you know how I'm a big uh, Stephen Colbert fan? I am aware every single time you try and take a lunch break, it is to go and watch Stephen Colbert. Yeah, so he's this late night comedian in the US who does Mm -hmm. his take on the news every single day. And he's had his eye on these two leaders for a couple of months now. Yeah, I was going to say, when we say that it's a surprise to the rest of the world, perhaps it's a surprise to those that aren't following closely. But I think it's also a surprise to a comedian like him because he was kind of making fun of them the whole time and now they've actually gone and been extremely successful at the polls. Mm. And I think what's really interesting is that even though Argentina and the Netherlands are worlds apart in Mm. terms of history and culture, there are similar kind of themes and tones emerging across both. Mm. Why don't we start this discussion with Argentina? Mm -hmm. Give me a sense of what's happened there in the last kind of two weeks or so. Earlier this month, Argentinians went to the polls for the second time to elect a new president. Javier Millet was a relative newcomer to Argentinian politics and during this election campaign, he was really running on what could only be characterised as like radical, radical reform. Mm. Millet ended up tallying around 56% of votes and he'll begin his presidential term in just under two weeks. 
but his victory has very much captured the world's attention. It's captured my attention. Have you seen any videos of him? I've seen one, and it involves a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. He has held a chainsaw up at his rallies mm. to signify how he's going to like slash the establishment and slash spending. I think that him bringing a chainsaw, talking about slashing public spending is very important mm. when you consider the context in which Millet has been able to rise and inevitably succeed and become the president. And the context here is really important because things economically in Argentina are not looking good. And I think we can probably dedicate a whole podcast looking at the Argentinian economy. Mm. But just give me a sense quickly, is, is the issue kind of what we're having here in terms of inflationary pressures? Yes, in the sense that there is an inflation problem, no in the sense that it is just so much worse. Right. So here in Australia, inflation's at, I think, 5.4%. Yep. What do you think it is in Argentina? Uh, a really bad inflation rate, you know, when things get really critically terrible would mm. be anything above, you know, 8 or 9%. Excellent. So we're talking about 143% okay. in Argentina. Got it. Uh, and analysts are estimating that that, can still climb further, which is just remarkable. I mean, they're thinking that it can climb to 185% by the end of this year. And so I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind when we keep talking about Millet and his policies and what he's promised the Argentinian people, is that this is the context in which they are operating. To add some colour to that, the value of the Argentine peso has fallen by more than 90% in the last year, at the moment, 40% of people living in Argentina are living in poverty. Argentina also owes 31 billion US dollars to the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. That's the highest amount owed by any one country. Okay, so you have a country that is in some serious economic trouble and then Millet comes in and Chains. or, you know, chainsaws <laughs> his way to an election victory. Yeah. What was he promising? How could he fix the pain of the Argentinian people? So Millet was proposing that they shut down Argentina's central bank and start using US dollars. Okay. Like a pretty radical thing to do. Yeah. That is like saying Anthony Albanese tomorrow decides to close down the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, and to say that actually the dollar can't be saved, so we're going to just start using US dollars instead. Millet is saying that they need to move to US dollars to enforce some stability. He also argues it would provide political accountability because then the government wouldn't be able to simply print more money. That's something that's happened in the past in Argentina and it's actually contributed to further inflation. So, of course, as I've said, that's a pretty radical idea and it has attracted some criticism. For one, people are wondering where Argentina is going to get the dollars it needs to actually float its entire economy mm. when it's struggling economically and, as I said, is low on foreign cash. Well, yes, it's controversial, but it clearly got his campaign over the line. It did. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see whether this plan actually plays out. He obviously now has the kind of electoral popularity and the electoral license to do it. But actually doing it is another thing altogether. Before we move on to the Netherlands, I think it's hard when we're using an audio platform and certainly one that's in English uh, to convey what this leader is like because it, it is quite striking to watch him in action. Um, in so, terms of the way he performs in front of a crowd, like what are you talking about there? Like I just think he is so anti-establishment. He is so outside how we would expect a standard politician 
to act. And, you know, we've we've seen the rise of leaders like this in the past with well, Donald Trump, certainly. I was going to say those exact sentences have been used yeah. over the last couple of years. And to Bolsonaro. Describe. I mean, there's many. But I do think that if you are interested, go watch some videos of him because, again, I haven't stopped thinking about him all week because it's just so interesting to watch. And it's so interesting to watch these type of leaders and how the electorate feels about them. Mm. Okay, so now let's get on a plane and go to Europe and let's go to the Netherlands where there's also been an election. Mm -hmm. Give me a sense of what's been playing out there. So the Netherlands had its general elections last Wednesday um, and this decided the composition of their version of the House of Representatives, which is the 150-seat lower house within the Dutch parliament. To the surprise of many, it was the far-right Freedom Party that won the highest number of seats. And that party is led by Hurt Wilders, a far-right politician who has been in Dutch parliament since 1998. So a big difference there. He's not some newcomer who's shaking things up. I mean, I remember reading and hearing news about him on and off for a very long time. Okay, so he's been around for a while. Well, he's been in Parliament since about the time that I was born. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been there for a while. His party, the Freedom Party, are expected to have won 37 seats in Parliament, though we do need to say that at the time of recording, this is still kind of moving and evolving. It's not common for any one party to win a majority of seats in the Netherlands, which means a government is often determined by negotiations between politicians following an election. The election results don't guarantee that Wilders will be named Prime Minister, but it does put him in a very commanding position when he's entering these talks to establish a new government. So not necessarily the leader, but still going to be very important and could be leader. Okay, so he's clearly a significant player Mm -hmm. in the politics in the country. Can you tell me more about his background and who he is? So Wilders became known in the Netherlands and in Europe and I'd argue around the world. I remember hearing about this for his hardline stance on migration. He wants to halt migration coming into the Netherlands. He believes that will help to solve the country's social problems, things like housing stress and inflation He has previously controversially shared plans of banning the Quran and mosques throughout the country, and he's been staunchly opposed to the Netherlands remaining in the European Union. I'm not particularly up to speed on the kind of day-to-day news cycle in the Netherlands, both Mm -hmm. economically and politically. What's been happening in the last kind of six months or so? The Netherlands has been facing its own economic challenges. It's the combination of a cost-of-living crisis, housing shortage, and lack of affordable health care. Um, something that was referred to as the security of existence during the election. And one of the elements of that conversation was the rate of migration to the Netherlands and what campaigners were saying was the pressure it's putting on these resources, things like housing, things like healthcare. According to the Dutch Statistics Agency, over 400,000 migrants arrived in the Netherlands last year. There were also reports of refugees being forced to sleep rough last year with the country's asylum facilities unable to meet demands for shelter, for healthcare and for food. And so Wilders campaigned on this platform of essentially anti-migration and it would appear that he has been very successful on that platform. So then zooming out again and looking at both of these political events Mm. and trying to figure out what this all means for the rest of the world and Mm. the patterns of politics, what's kind of your take on what these two countries... I've been thinking about what my hot take is this whole time. Well, well, what is the hot take? (laughs) I don't think that there is anything particularly 
nuanced that I can add here, um, except to say that I think that we do see these patterns emerge and then end and then emerge and then end. Like in 2016 and after that, we had Donald Trump, we had Bolsonaro, we had leaders like this, anti-establishment. Yeah, we had anti-establishment, arguably far-right leaders Mm. who were uh, campaigning on these platforms of radical change. They were all then voted out. We have then seen, you know, centrist or left-leaning leaders elected. And I think that there is something to say about it just being this natural cycle that something goes wrong and people look for difference. They kind of swing the other way, whatever way that might be. Yeah, I mean, like, we've got to zoom out and look at it in a broader sense, which is that this has happened before and it will happen again. It's just the stage of history that we're at, I believe. So if we run with your theory of phases of things going one way and then Mm. trends of things going the other way when people want change, Mm. does that kind of give gravity to President Trump's run towards the US election in 2024? I mean, the polling certainly suggests so. Interesting. I think that there is certainly a belief just based on US polling that Donald Trump could be the successful candidate. I think that there is a long time between now and next November. Anything can happen. Keeping an eye on the US economy is going to be crucial during this time and understanding which parts of the workforce are impacted. Because in most cases, this is an economic story and these leaders are just coming to this economic story with different answers. It's going to be a fascinating year ahead in global politics. That's for sure. Thanks so much for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. Hope you're having a good start to your week already. We'll be here all week. And if you're listening on Spotify, I'd love if you could just leave a comment and let us know what you thought about this episode. It's kind of our way to show Spotify that our listeners really engage with what we're doing. And that helps us get more listeners and reach more people and grow our our little news operation ahead of what is going to be a really important year for the world. There's a comment box just under the show notes. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Until then, have a great day.